0: Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am your host, Melissa Dealey, and I am here with my good friend, Linda Orsini. Linda, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you today.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Melissa.
0: Let me introduce you to the listeners. Linda is an advocate for personal transformation, founder of Global Wellness Education, and host of the inspiring podcast, A Call for Love and the creator of the heal model. She guides individuals towards inner peace and greater health and influences the world with loving kindness. With over 30 years of experience as a school teacher, Linda empowers others to unlock their magnificence, achieve emotional breakthroughs and live with lighter hearts through mindful presence and self-compassion, fostering a path to healthier and happier lives. I absolutely love the work that you do, Linda, and what you bring to the world and we're so aligned in all that we do, and that's why we've become fast friends this year, and I'm just really excited to have you on the show and to have you be able to share your story, and you mentioned being a teacher for over 30 years. Thank you for that, for educating the next generation and probably the current you know, millennials or Gen Zs or whatever they are now, the 20-somethings. I'm sure there's plenty of 20-somethings you taught, Um and yet you were experiencing anxiety, soul fatigue, and self-limiting beliefs. So what strategies and practices did you employ and have to learn in order to empower and heal yourself through that time in your life?
1: It's such a great question, and I appreciate you asking me that. I have to share that when I got divorced, You know, it's a very turbulent time. And Mm -hmm. I remember my doctor saying, listen, you have to put your oxygen mask on first in order to help others. And so in teaching, I translated that into teaching. If I was going to be um, a teacher with loving kindness and to to guide children, not only intellectually, but emotionally, Mm -hmm. I had to be whole and heal myself. And I was very drained. I had adrenal fatigue and um, soul fatigue and uh, just stress and anxiety. And I decided to try yoga. And that was my actual step into the process. And from there it snowballed because the better I could become, the better than I could be for my students.
0: I love yoga. I started yoga myself in 2017 when I actually, I had to become an owner of a yoga studio in order to try yoga. As ridiculous as that sounds, that's what happened. And it is such a powerful mobility and modality at having us slow down and calm the mind, calm the body and learn about the power of breath. And so I love that you found that. And I just want to go back to when you were saying you had the soul fatigue, adrenal fatigue, et cetera. That was as a result of the combination of everything going on in your life, right? The teaching, the divorce, just daily life is what triggered that in you.
1: I do think so. The adrenal, well, I do suffer from anxiety still, but now I know how to manage it. Right. And uh, back then, I really had this burning feeling. Soul fatigue is actually when you are in conflict. Mm. And I loved being a teacher, but it was very draining for me being empathic. I collected a lot of other people's energies and I had this burning feeling. feeling inside that there was something more for me. So there was a conflict there that was going that it was exhausting me, knowing mm-hmm. that I had to stay the course 30 right. years and that there was something more. Right. And for yoga, as I've learned now in all my studies, yoga is not really just the physical practice. It's it's the mind practice, mm-hmm. which is so much more powerful really than the poses. The pose is just get us into the mindset. Right. And so that is really kind of the path of what I was going through in, in order at that time, really.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And from your yoga practice, where did that then lead you?
1: Well, you know, people say to me, Oh, I don't like yoga. There's a lot of people who do not enjoy yoga and yoga is not for everybody, but the thing with yoga is it's a stepping stone into more mindfulness, mm-hmm. into being a meditation. And that's what I used really to get myself into the other areas, which was sound healing, energy healing, and meditation. Those are really the areas that are most powerful. Yoga was just a stepping stone. A lot of people jog. I know people ride um, horses. There's many different ways to get to that place. My path was through the yogic world.
0: Right. Right. And I hear you when you say many people don't like yoga. And it's interesting because my sister said that to me once. She said, I love yoga now. But if somebody had tried to get me to do this when I was in my 20s, it would never have happened. Because in her 20s, it was, you know, go, 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 so many things to do, and she didn't want to slow down. She was full of energy and wanted to do so much. But now with three young children, she's so grateful for those moments in, of time in her yoga practice that she can just be still. And so I also want to invite the audience to think if you think it's not for you right now, it might be just right now. And not forever. So don't write it off forever. You might want to come back to it a different time in your life. And another funny story, because you know my daughter, you just actually met her last night coincidentally. Well, when she was in grade 10, we had the high school students come to our yoga studio that I owned for gym class. And so she would come for gym class and she really enjoyed it. And then I would practice after my work day and she'd meet me there after school and do yoga again. And she said the best part about yoga was Shavasana at the end where she was able to relax enough that she would actually fall asleep and I'd be waking her up. But that's because she was a teenager staying up way too late to on devices, all of these things that they do. And also through their busy school day, it's so much stress. And so just getting out of that stress state and giving her body that hour without devices and to calm, was wonderful. And so she kept coming back for more. And so she's actually a, a younger person that practices yoga because of what, you know, she was introduced to it in high school and learned to love Shavasana. And I've seen t-shirts that say, you know, I love Shavasana or yeah, my yoga practice is Shavasana. And for the listeners, Shavasana is the The very end of the practice, depending on the instructor, it could be anywhere from one minute to 10 minutes where you just lay back on your mat and you calm and just allow yourself to be. And we don't stop in our days often enough to do that. So your yoga practice led you into meditation. And you're doing quite a bit of meditation work this year as well, I believe.
1: Yeah, I offer, I feel that the most powerful practice I can offer myself every day that is available in every moment is meditation and mindfulness. That has been the hugest shift actually in my life. And going back to when I was a school teacher, I would take last recess or planning time five or 10 minutes out of my time and meditate and that actually changed the whole afternoon for me it gave me the patience the calm and the re re uh vibrance Mm -hmm. to meet the students instead of so haggard at the end of the day so meditation and now um going full force with that in my programs as well meditation is the only time that we can stop to notice and become aware of what we're thinking and how we're behaving and acting. If we don't take that pause, we habitually, and we've talked about this before, Melissa, you and I, we can go through our day really mindless and making decisions from you know a wounded self or a self that's not really noticing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd love you to share, when it comes to meditation, what I hear a lot of people say is, I don't think I'm doing it right. I'd love you to share your perspective on that.
1: Meditation, I I guide meditation several times a week, and it is the hardest practice. It's the hardest. And, you know, rightfully so, because in prison, what's the worst that can happen to you? Solitary confinement. It's being alone with our thoughts. And we are in a society that we do everything we can to distract ourselves from our thoughts. And when somebody says, I'm not doing it right, it's really a matter actually, I believe, of finding a teacher that can guide you. I think at the beginning, we need a little hand-holding and we need a little guidance. Those questions are very powerful because if somebody doesn't feel they're doing it right, they're not gonna continue to do it. Right. And I always say in my class, it's sangha, it's a community. And when two or more are gathered, it becomes a more powerful practice. My suggestion is not to do it alone, to go to a class or find a guide, as I am a guide, and to really be patient and know that it's the only bad meditation is the meditation you never did. Right. So be kind. And there's so many ways to meditate. You know, there's walking, although really there's only one meditation is being still. But you could have a guided meditation. You could have a silent meditation. It is a skill to learn, actually.
0: I was just going to say that it's a skill that takes practice like any other skill that you learn. So initially, having that guide is very helpful because as you're guided through, you're listening to what they're sharing, teaching, guiding, and that helps keep your thoughts in the place where we want them to be during the meditation. And that's really powerful. And that's what I did when I started out with meditating and I find I found it to be extremely helpful. So I love that you guide people in meditations. Um, tell us a little bit more about your Heal model or your H E A L model that you've developed.
1: Well, this has been, um, you know, the process that we get to in this moment is a accumulation of all that's come before us.
0: Absolutely. So
1: I like to use. All the teachings that I've learned, and I am an avid reader. I was a teacher librarian for seven years, so I really love reading. And really nothing is new. Right. The Bhagavad Gita, thousands of years old. The, uh, all, the, all the ancient texts, all the wisdom people that have come before us, we really just learning from them, and really nothing is new. So it's taking all these guides, all these sources of wisdom, and compiling them into one model. And that's what I guide with my new program, Emotional Detox, because through the different disciplines, and hypnotherapy being one of them, and the unconscious mind, when you, I think of it as a buffet, and not one dish is going to serve everybody's appetite. Correct. And when you have a smorgasbord, we're getting into the the
0: culinary language, culinary
1: metaphors. <laughs> when you have a smorgasbord, then you can allow whatever resonates with you at that moment to serve you. Yeah. So the heal model is taking all these components, blending them together to create a beautiful dish in order for you to let go of all the. I call it emotional detox, negativity, lower vibrations, untrue thoughts. And then we can let those go in order to serve ourselves and in order to heal, heal that inner child wound.
0: I love it. And does the heal because it's with um, full stops, is it an acronym for something?
1: Yes, it is.
0: And what is and that acronym? It is for,
1: well, I, you know, I'm playing with it all the time, but it's basically heal your emotions to allow lifelong transformation. Oh, I love so that. So you can harmonize your emotions. And that's the inner critic. You can empower hmm. yourself. You can attain emotional well being and you can liberate yourself. So those are the acronyms harmonize, empower, attain, and liberate.
0: Beautiful. And How would someone know if they need that?
1: You know, this is what I say. We are in um, world mental health uh, as we take this right now. The world is really suffering from mental health. And a lot of us are living a decent life. We're going along. It's okay. And it's okay not to be okay. But do we want to be okay? And I had this discussion with you because you were on the podcast. I don't want to be okay. I want to know what I'm doing and saying from my higher self. And if you are having circumstances in your life, in your relationships, that are causing you emotional pain, you know, we always have that one person who is, you know, like, it's a trigger to us and it's not from them. It's from ourselves, but everyone is the mirror to ourselves. So if there's um, your job that is, is causing you some trouble uh, uh, an emotional unease, you're not sleeping well, you know, you are avoiding somebody or not talking to somebody, or there is an area in your life that you're going around circles and circles, beating yourself up the same inner critic coming out anything that's emotionally toxic, mm-hmm. that's what we want to notice. And where there's life, there's going to be emotional toxicism.
0: And I think those are really valid points. And people don't realize that there is such a thing as emotional toxicity. In many cases, they're aware that there might be toxic people in their lives, but they don't necessarily know how that's Impacting their emotions and creating this toxicity inside their body, which can then have a negative effect on their health in the long run. Because that emotional toxicity, or you've referred to the thoughts in our head, that's mental toxicity whenever they're not serving us, all those thoughts that we listen to that are talking us down, all of that adds baggage to what our body, our container is carrying. And creates dis-ease of the body when not addressed. And so I love that this is your focus in order to help people move through that, which is literally having them drop their bag of rocks, letting that go and coming out the other side, feeling lighter and in that higher vibration that you're talking about, able to live the life that they really want to live. And you're absolutely right. Our mental health issues, I was just on a panel yesterday talking about mental health issues and they're at the highest they've ever been and impacting our children at the youngest age that we've ever, we're ever seeing. And what I would ultimately love to see is that we don't actually separate our mental health and our physical health. And we talk about it as total body health.
1: Exactly, because I believe everything stems from the mind. Exactly.
0: And we can't separate the body from the mind. And with mental health, there can be shame around it. And so people don't necessarily go and get the support they need because they're ashamed of the fact that they're even in this place needing help. Versus with physical health, people are very quick to go off to the doctor. There's no shame there. And if we can come to a place of total body health so people can seek the support they need as they need it without shame. None of us are perfect. We're all human beings. We can't be perfect. And on our wellness journey, we must address total body health and we can't all know everything. Therefore, if our expertise isn't in wellness, we need to get guidance from somebody who is in wellness and can
1: guide us. Someone like you. It's it's so true. And I, I just turning 56. I can't believe that the simplest thing is actually the most powerful. And this is what I have come to believe. And now it is in my mind almost all the time. I don't have to believe what I think. In fact, most of my thoughts are illusions. I feel that what i a lot of people i went to new york and in the line it was don't believe everything you think why are we believing everything we think it causes unnecessary illness and disease in our mind which stems into the body why do we make these pressures on ourselves most of the things we actually think are illusions and until you stop and notice what is going on? You keep on living the life of an illusion. I'd like to give you an example. I make deadlines for myself all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a very task oriented person. If it is due on Wednesday, And I tell myself, I beat myself up that I have to get something done by Wednesday. I have to maybe clean the floor or I have to do the grocery shopping or I have to get this load of laundry done or I have to get this done for my business. I am creating so much stress and it's an illusion that it has to be done on Wednesday. Does it really need to be done? It's something that I've created in my mind and it's really not true. And when we can not believe everything that we think, then we can just invite the awareness to shift, to maybe wonder, okay, maybe this isn't working, what else can we do? And it's through the pause, it's through stopping, it's through observing and detaching and reframing that you can not always believe what you think and you can shift to better your life.
0: Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals. It's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck. But you can help them through the power of hypnosis, break through all of that, working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in, to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want. They are thrilled with your coaching techniques. They're getting the results they want. You feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want. It's a win-win. And another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business. So if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want, if you like the sound of that, then definitely reach out, Melissa, at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more. It's a weekend designation program that I teach valid in 42 countries. You write an exam after taking the experiential course, and you can be admitted to the American Board of Hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want. Absolutely. I love to teach people because of course our work is so aligned that when it comes to the thoughts in our head, we need to stop listening and start talking back. I know when it's with human interaction, we hear that we have two ears and one mouth, so we should talk less and listen more. And I fully agree. But when it comes to the thoughts inside our head, the complete opposite is true. Because as you've said, most of those thoughts, I would venture to say 99.9% of them aren't true. They're an illusion. So why are we listening to them? Stop listening to them and talk back and tell your mind, no, that's not true.
1: It's not true. Why where come did it come
0: another from? solution? Yes, and you know, you gave a great example. Another example is that thought of I can't. Cancel, cancel, cancel. You might have had a great idea about something and you tell it to somebody else who says, "Well, you can't do that." And then it becomes, I can't. And you repeat that over and over so you don't move forward with this great idea. And yet the, you can't do that had nothing to do with you. It wasn't your dream. It was that person not believing they could do it because it wasn't their dream. And that comes out of their mouth and you take that in. Talk back to that and say, well, he might think I can't but I know I can, it's my dream, it's my vision, this is what I want to do and keep moving forward. And I kind of joke that we need to talk to ourselves more often in this way. And you know, in the past, if you were seen talking to yourself, you might've been put in some kind of asylum. However, it's a very healthy thing to do, to challenge your thoughts, to talk back to them, to even say, cancel, 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 so that your mind doesn't take them on and take them in. So I fully agree with what you're saying. And like I said, I really love that you offer this work because it's so important in today's time.
1: It really is. I I studied under Bob Proctor. Mm -hmm. He had a program called Thinking Into Results. I tell you, if I took all the programs I have joined, it would be a lot. (laughs) In any case, I learned so much because, you know, we hear all about manifesting, but it's really our thoughts, our perceptions through our five senses, seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, smelling, that come through our ourselves. And then we create stories. We create these, I call them illusions, because they really are. We create these stories, and then we believe these stories, which is so shocking. I now, through my work, I'm just marveling when something comes out of somebody's mouth, and even my mouth, that is so limiting and such a ju- so judgmental that it really shocks me that one I thought it, and two I'm buying into it as the truth when it's not the truth.
0: Absolutely, and that is the power of our mind. And I love to say it can be our best friend and our worst enemy at the same time. <laughs> it's our best friend when it's keeping us safe from walking in front of a bus. It's our best friend when it comes to problem solving, et cetera, but it's our worst enemy when it keeps us stuck or holds us in our comfort zone because it knows that we're safe there because we're alive and it's charged with keeping us alive, yet we don't get to move forward in our life. And our mind is so powerful in that we don't move forward unless we first have a vision of something. We have to have the vision in order to go after it. And so what vision is it? that you are creating for yourself.
1: Yeah, I love Dr. Wayne Dyer says you have to imagine it first. Even Bob Proctor says that you have yeah. to you have to create the vision, the vibration because the universe doesn't hear our words. It only hears our vibration. Yes. And then so if you can imagine it, well one of the most powerful practices they say is I like to do I heard from Abraham which is a collective consciousness that the first 17 seconds that you wake up change the trajectory of your day. So in the first 17 seconds, what is the first thought that comes into your mind? And I try when I remember, because it's very hard, especially if you're coming from uh, deep sleep or REM sleep is to have that high uh, imagery of what I really want in my life. You know, And I want to really serve. So in a place where I'm serving, and when that image comes into my mind, then it it snowballs. It creates more momentum, more momentum, and then you can go through your day. So I I really, I totally agree.
0: I love that. And it's such a great idea. And it's something that I was just doing this very morning. (laughs) So that I, you know, the first part, I don't just get up and jump right out of bed. I will get up and do exactly that. What is it that I want? And have those positive thoughts. And then I do a little bit of self-hypnosis around that. And then I get up and start my day. So yes, very powerful techniques that we can use in order to create the life we want when we know how. I love it. So you also have a podcast, A Call for Love, which I I love your podcast What is the meaning behind the name of your podcast?
1: I have to say, I love the name of my podcast because I toyed with so many names and all of a sudden this one came. It's called A Call for Love because I am a student of A Course in Miracles and A Course in Miracles, if people are unfamiliar with it, it's really uh, reading a text and workbook 365 days, so it's a whole year program. And uh, I won't go much into that, but it basically states that there are two emotions. This is in its simplest form. There's love, which is the highest, highest vibration and highest emotion. And when I say love, it's an umbrella, because under love is joy and happiness, contentment, peace, um, equanimity, all those areas. And then the other end of the spectrum is fear. And under that umbrella is shame, guilt, resentment, jealousy, anger, depression, anxiety, all the negative vibrations. So you could say, are you in a place of love? And we, being human beings, living this spiritual experience, we're just like, we cannot always be in a place of love. Instead of saying, I'm afraid, or I'm anxious, or I'm angry, I like to say, it's a call for love. And because the only thing we truly own, and this is from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 47, the only thing we own is our actions. Mm -hmm. The only thing we own is our actions. So when something happens, and this is the whole context of emotional detox, things happen. When something happens, where are you standing? Are you standing in love? Or is there a call for love? And that's the whole premise of this podcast is knowing where you stand and then making the conscious decision to either be in a place of love or maybe not yet. You know, I often Mm -hmm. say, your choice. You don't have to let it go. You don't have to let it be. Maybe you want to really marinate in that, you know, anger, resentment, depression, but then maybe give yourself a bit of time Say, you know, I'm going to give myself a day or two, let my wounds heal, you know, lick my wounds or whatever. And then I'm going to choose to shift, to shift into a place of love. And we can all do it when we, you know, let go of all those toxic emotions. And then we can shift, we can shift to love.
0: I love that because I didn't know the background of the name of it. I just love the name of it, but I love that you've now shared the background. And I want to share a story that happened to me just last week where I totally did this and it was really powerful. So I was flying from Las Vegas to Nashville and it was an overnight flight, albeit only three and a half hours. But I wanted to sleep because I was landing in Nashville at 620 in the morning. So I had my blanket, I had my eye mask, and I boarded the plane. And I was in row three. So row one and two were business class with the wider seats. And I was in the aisle of row three. And as I boarded the plane, I noticed that the person in the middle seat next to me was very, very, very large. And already had the armrest up between our two seats and was sitting in half my seat. And I just went, oh no, how am I going to sleep? So I squish myself into my little seat and I'm kind of leaning into the aisle for lack of any space. And she had on a hoodie with the front pockets like the kangaroo pouch and her phone was in there and she would keep going into her kangaroo pouch to take out her phone, which would jab me in the ribs, which she was completely unaware of. And then look at her phone, text back, put it back in her pocket, jab me in the ribs, And this kept going on because then it would buzz again and then she'd take it out. And And so I was just going, oh my God. And I was in this place of frustration. I was so annoyed. I was thinking I'm not going to get any sleep. How is this fair that I only get half my seat? And then I went, I was just at a conference this weekend. That was a very high vibrational conference. And I need to tap into that. I need to come from a place of love. So a call for love is what I clued into very quickly. And I need to stop all this negativity. And I shifted. And then what happened was a man got on and sat in the middle seat on the other side of the aisle. And as he sat down, he noticed that there was some empty business class seats. And he asked the flight attendant, oh, could I sit in, could I upgrade to one of those seats? And she said, yes, if they're still empty, when the door closes, it's $75. And he said, I want one. And there was two. So I started thinking, maybe I should do that. And then very soon after the door closed. And so the flight attendant came to him and he paid for his seat. And just as I was thinking, I'm going to take the other seat, the woman next to me had whipped out her credit card and said, I want the other one. And so she moved without me having to pay for the upgrade. And I went, wow, the power of love because I got out of that negative state and into the power of love and the situation resolved itself in a way that totally worked for me and her without me even having to pay. She chose to pay. And I don't think that would have happened if I'd stayed in that negative state. I really don't think that would happen that way.
1: No, because I feel that when there's resistance, it perpetuates negativity. It perpetuates the low vibration. And in that, we can't have a miracle is a shift in perspective. And when um, so you shifted your perspective and a miracle happened. Mm -hmm. And that's what really a call for love is, too. And we don't have to think of miracles like. Uh, getting cured from a terrible disease. Miracles are are just shifts in perspective that create a new perspective of love. And so I feel, as you tell this story, which I love, it's a perfect example, letting go, letting go of all this in, 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 in your mind and shifting to kindness And compassion, maybe even not love, but under the umbrella of love. And then look what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's how we want to live. I I say that good is is good, but who wants to be good? I want to be great. You said the other day, you want to be awesome. Is that possible in every moment? No, it's not possible in every moment, possibly, but we can choose where we're going to stand. Exactly. Are we going to stand in light or are we going to start and stand in the darkness? And the only thing we own, as I said before, is our actions and our actions stem from what we're thinking. And the only way to improve or shift how we think, I believe is through awareness, meditation, mindfulness, and hypnotherapy.
0: And and detoxing what is no longer serving. To
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Love all of that. So I always love to ask my guests on the show, what does don't wait for your wake-up call mean to you?
1: It means that every moment is a gift. We only have this moment and how we're going to live it in our mind, in our body, in our heart, and in our spirit. And that is the power. So why are we waiting? Why are we waiting till tomorrow? Why are we worrying about the past? It's this moment that matters. And the power is in this moment. And we have the power to live from love for ourselves, the planet, others, to be examples and live for my highest self. So that's what I think. Don't wait for your wake-up call. Why are we waiting? Live our best emotional, loving-kindness selves now. I love that. That's beautiful.
0: How can people get hold of you if they want to work with you? Share a little bit about more about your course that you're launching, and uh, share about your gift for the audience as well, which is five secrets to healing emotional wounds.
1: Yes, I have written this five secrets because. We're all gonna have emotional angst come into our lives and how are we gonna deal with it? So there's five secrets that I share that everyone is welcome to. And um, I'm sure I say in there, our wounds are our wisdom. And when we treat it like so, then it can uh, really be healing. My business is called Global Wellness Education Global because I serve globally. Wellness, because I'm all about wellness of mind, body, spirit, and soul. And education, I'm an educator by, by trade, by heart. So Global Wellness Education and the podcast is a call for love. On the website, you will find everything that uh, emotional detox program. It starts for the new year, mm-hmm. but I will be launching it in November with certain uh, extra privileges like group coaching, etc.,
0: And so, just for the audience, we'll say November 2023 is your pre launch with some extra bonuses. And then the course will officially launch in the new year of 2024.
1: Yeah, we start January 9th.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And is there anything else you would like to share with the audience today?
1: I want to say thank you, Melissa, because you've been another beautiful soul on my path. And I am. The product of all those who are around me, right? And so I feel really privileged to have so many beautiful people in my life, and I just really cherish that. So thank you for um, allowing me to speak to your listeners, and I love that you were on a call for love too. And listeners can listen to that episode; it's number thirty-six if they wish.
0: Well, thank you very much. As I've said, you know we've become such great friends this year because people who are like each other, like each other. And we do have so many synergies in our life, in our work. And it's such a pleasure to have been able to get to know you this year and know the work that you're doing in the world. And it is so important. And I encourage the listeners to reach out and download your free gift. And if they're wanting to start meditating, There's no other guide to go to than Linda. Start there. That's the best place. And learn more about her course that's starting in November and grab all those extra bonuses. You won't regret it. Every single one of us has some level of emotional toxicity. And that's a great place to start in moving forward in your life. So thank you to the audience for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this episode today, please share it with them. And thank you for being here each and every week. I will be back next week with another amazing interview. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy,